We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, Colts Nation, and welcome back to another episode of Bring the Juice. Your guy Cody here, and joining us, very special guest from the No Horsing Around Colts podcast, Mr. Zach Boyd himself. Zach, welcome back onto the show, my friend. I know it's been a little bit of time. How have you been? Hey, man, I've been doing great this offseason. Um, ready to get back to talk about football, though. You know, it's so close. I mean, just, Cody, we're right there, and I'm excited to be back on the show today an opportunity to talk about you know Colts football and, and and the direction that this team I think we have a really great direction that we're going in and it's going to be exciting this season I really feel that way we're less than two weeks away from training camp down in Grand Park again you know it's been a long off season you know there's been a lot of excitement around this off season a lot of cool things that have happened you know a lot of things on paper that we're really excited for you know, as Colts fans personally, and also just as, you know, content creators as well, because we feel like this team has the potential to do a lot of great things. And so what I kind of wanted to do, Zach, you know, you're helping me start this kind of two episode series here where we're going to kind of talk about, you know, some guys who are new additions, right? So this episode specifically would talk about free agency, whether that be, you know, guys the Colts did sign in free agency or some maybe some guys the Colts traded for in free agency. We're going to talk about these guys and say, okay, are these guys going to be guys who, in their new roles with Indianapolis, are they going to fly, which means they're going to have a great season with the Colts or a season that meets or is above expectations, or are they going to maybe flop? You know, Maybe they won't have a necessarily a bad season. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. But certainly they won't live up to the expectations that everybody had when the Colts acquired them. So I figure we could kind of just jump into it. I kind of have it, Zach, um, based off of some tiers, right? We have the top three. We already know pretty well. We have some other guys that could, you know, maybe play some backup, potentially some starter roles, and some guys who maybe will make the active roster, maybe won't. Um, and there's a couple other guys we probably could include. We just picked six guys in total. So let's get to it. Let's start with the guy that everybody knows very well at the most important position in sports, the quarterback position. Quarterback Matt Ryan. What do you think, Zach? What do you think? Matt Ryan last year didn't have his finest season as a pro, right, with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, you know, he's only, you know, four or five years removed from having an MVP like season um, a couple of years ago, um, but really hasn't been able to get back to that form, you know, partly in part due to the fact that he just hasn't had a lot around him, right, in terms of a running game, in terms of an offensive line, 
even last year, you know, receivers and a defense as well. So what are your thoughts on Matt Ryan? Do you think he's more in the fly or flop category and why? So for me, it's 100% fly. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm all in on this move right here. I mean, you look at just the past, Cody, and how things have happened. You know, you, you go back two years ago, you go with an established football team that brings in a guy like Tom Brady and they're able to, you know, ascend. And then last year, obviously, we know with Matt Stafford, we were in on the mix with that. He goes to a team that's already established. They have a very good season, ultimately win the Super Bowl. That's the recipe. You know, like if you can't draft a quarterback and you don't have a top five pick, that's almost the recipe now. Just build a really sound, solid foundation and go out and get a veteran. Um, and that's what we missed. Uh, last year, we just missed, missed that accuracy. The person who could just put it all together. So I'm super excited about Matt Ryan, um, his leadership. He seems to be doing all of the right things. He's going out of his way to, to build relationship with his with his teammates, his receiving core, his coaching staff. Um, and he's kind of Philip Rivers with a good arm, right? Like, like, he, like the only knock on Philip. I was so was so happy with Philip coming in. I thought he had a great year for us. He just couldn't push push the ball down the field. I think Matt Ryan doesn't have those limitations. You want to talk about him playing on that team that wasn't very good. He just didn't put much around them, man. I mean, he honestly was on a very, very bad football team. And I don't fault Matt Ryan. Could he have played better in moments? For sure. But you still think about that relationship and that connection that he had with Kyle Pitts last year. I mean, this is a rookie coming right in. And, I mean, immediately, you know, Matt Ryan's making this guy look like he is an absolute, as advertised, you know, bona fide superstar at the tight end position. Um, and players are already raving about his leadership, his accuracy. I know Michael Pittman Jr. said multiple times on multiple different shows, just can't believe how accurate this guy is. Like he puts the ball where it's supposed to be, and that builds trust in big moments. And one of Matt Ryan's biggest traits has been and always will be he throws those seam routes, right? That's the one of the hardest routes in the NFL to throw, and you've got to trust your wide receiver that he's going to run that route the right way or ultimately the other team's getting the football in those tight, tight windows. So, yeah, 100% fly for me. I know I went on and on and on, but I'm just so pumped about Matt Ryan being our quarterback, Cody. Yeah, well, Matt Ryan, one of the best deep passers last year in the NFL, um, and now he gets a, a wide receiver in Michael Pittman Jr. who thrived, you know, in those jump ball situations. So we'll be very exciting. Um, the Colts also have, you know, they drafted Alec Pierce as well. So you think Matt Ryan has some weapons to work with at the wide receiver and tight end position, and also he has a guy that maybe he's never had before, a running back like Naheem Hines out of the backfield that I think could really help him out in a lot of ways, on top of obviously Jonathan Taylor and this Colts prolific run attack and you know, the offensive line how good it's been in certain moments and then also the defense as well which we'll get to here talking about some players there but uh speaking of the defense let's talk about another guy probably the you know if Matt Ryan was the biggest addition to the Colts this guy's a close second and that's Yannick Ngakwe yeah. um Yannick Ngakwe definitely was a surprise that the Colts were able to land him for what they were what they traded away you know they traded away Rocky Sin it was a player-for-player player swap, which you don't see a whole lot in the NFL. No picks were involved. The Colts now were able to get a one of the better edge rusher guys, purely edge rusher guys in the NFL. Yannick Ngakwe last year had you know 10 sacks. He's been right around that mark pretty much for his, most of his career. Um, but now he enters into this, this Indianapolis defense. You know, he played with Gus Bradley last year in Las Vegas, so he knows that he has that familiarity with him. 
and his defensive scheme. He also has players like DeForest Buckner around him, you know, Quiddy Pay coming into his second season. So my question for you, Zach, is, you know, he had a pretty good season last year. What do you think? Because expectations, I think, for, for Yannick are pretty big. Um, where would you say? Do you think he's going to fly, meet expectations, or go above them, or maybe be slightly under? Well, I think the bar for him, Cody's probably that that ten sack meter. You know, anything north of ten sacks, he probably flies. And I think he has a really, really good shot. I mean, the opportunity to play right next to DeForest Buckner is a pretty big deal. Um, he's got a pretty formidable defensive line. And I'll say, if we look back on this season when it's all said and done, obviously Matt Ryan's going to get a lot of credit if we have a lot of success. But the move, the player-for-player player trade that you mentioned a second ago to trade Rock for Yannick will probably be one of the biggest moves that Chris Ballard's ever made in his tenure, honestly. Like, he literally – I mean, when you want to talk about positional value, I mean, he got a diamond – I mean, he got a great pass rusher. Now, he's not been able to land with the team. That concerns me a little bit. I just – I want to know why. You know, it's just that unknown. Uh, maybe he just hasn't found the right fit for himself yet. But the talent's there. It's always been there. Everywhere he's went, he's went there and he's produced. He seems to have a very good attitude as far as how he wants to approach the game. He wants to be great. I think ultimately he just wants to be paid, Cody. Like he's not been on a team that's been willing to make that long, long commitment to him. But I think the Indianapolis Colts will eventually make that commitment to him. And I think in this Gus Bradley defense, he's going to thrive. And he's probably going to be our anchor. You know, he's going to be the guy I think about, you know, back in the in the days when I was growing up as a as, as teenager, kid, young man. End of the game, two minutes left. You got Robert Mathis and Dwight Freeney on the outside, and they're closing that game, man, with a strip sack or just, you know, just a sack to end the game. That's what I see when I see Yannick. Um, I'm all in on him, and what a big transition. And probably doesn't get talked about enough, honestly. I mean, because we were so caught up at that time and, and talking about who's going to be our quarterback. We're like, oh, my gosh, I don't care who we get because we don't have a quarterback. Well, this is a big, big move, and it's a type of move, honestly. I would consider that, you know, we, we, we make fun of Jim Irsay and say all in, all chips in. That's kind of an all chips in type of move, Cody. All right, so would you say, um, based off of the expectations to 10 sacks, do you think he's going to meet those or do you think he's going to be, you know, Flop is such a strong word, I think, but do you think he's going to be, you know, slightly under those? What would you say if you if I if I had to make a guess here? I would say I would go the over on ten. I would say he's going to land right around eleven or twelve sacks this year. Um, okay. I think he'll get. I think he'll get over ten. I, I really do. I think he has. It, it's just you're going to have to make a decision every single week. Do I want to double team him or do I want to double team DeForest Buckner or do I want to play him heads up man to man? Um, that's going to be a lot of stress on defenses. And I think it's going to be a learning curve at the beginning of the year. And teams are going to have to find out how they want to play us, you know, as far as blocking and scheming up for us. I just think, I just think Yannick is, is the real deal. I think he probably goes slightly over that 10. So for that, I would say fly. If we're using that kind of metric to kind of go in that barometer, I definitely believe he's over 10 in my opinion. You know, it's funny, man, when you were talking about like attacking, like having de- having offenses plan for the defense. Oh, that was such a breath of fresh air because it felt like with Matt Eberflus and that defense, it was always the opposite, right? We were never attacking. It was like the Colts offense was always, you know, making other teams guess and the defense was kind of just sitting back 
letting it happen to them. And so to have more of an aggressive style of defense, it's such a breath of fresh air. It makes me feel good, you know, to know like, okay, you know, we're not just going to, you know, obviously you always play on effort, but we're not just going to play on effort. Our scheme is going to help also, you know, be able to attack and, and make the offense guess for once. So it's kind of nice to hear that once in a while, you know? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, sticking with the defense here, one of the bigger signings as well for the Colts. Um, this was strictly a signing. This was not a trade. It was the Stefan Gilmore signing. The Colts signed him to a two-year deal. Um, you know, Stefan Gilmore, a couple of years removed, Zach, from being not just an all-pro, but the defensive player of the year. Yeah. Now, he's had some injuries recently. You know, he's up there in age. He's 31, be 32, around that age. Um, so there are some questions. There are some concerns about him. But the way I look at it, Zach, is Stephon Gilmore in eight, nine games last year still produced. He still proved that he had it, in my opinion. And if he can stay healthy, I think the sky's the limit for him. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts before I give kind of my thoughts. Do you think, based off of the expectations, because I don't, the expectations for him are kind of weird because it's like, some people are like, he's going to be defensive player of the year again. Some play, some people are like, well, he's going to be just injured all year, you know? Um, and I don't feel like there's really any realistic expectations for him, honestly. Uh, so where would you go um, based off of maybe kind of the middle of expectations, where they should be, you know, where he could be, you know, kind of in a similar way. You know, it's funny. Derek and I just talked about this. You know, it kind of gives me the Xavier Rhodes vibes from a couple of years ago uh, with, I think, a lot higher ceiling here. Uh, because if you remember, Xavier Rhodes didn't really have a, a great time, you know, in Minnesota his last year. He comes over to Indianapolis, has one of his better years in a long time. Um, and I look at Gilmore, not that he had a bad year last year, but he just wasn't on the field as much as you'd like to see. And, and you know, there are questions and concerns. And I really do feel like he has an opportunity to really go above some of those expectations. But what are your thoughts on? Yeah, I think just the overwhelming sentiment with with Gilmore is, like you mentioned earlier, is very funny, honestly. Like, I would say it's low for a guy who's a former defensive player of the year. Like, I don't know that nationally people have this great big expectations of Stephon Gilmore. But everywhere he goes, everywhere he's played, he's not a system guy. Just said it on our podcast earlier this week, you know, He's not a prototypical New England guy. You know, he just – a lot of guys go out to New England, they thrive there, and then they leave, and then they're not very good. Everywhere he's really played, you know, Buffalo, you look back at Buffalo, he went to Carolina, he's been so solid. The number one question for him is will his body hold up? I don't question his talent. I don't question his skill. I don't question his ability. Will his body make it through the war of attrition for a full season, and can he hold up? Um if he can, I think he's borderline all-pro level, certainly a pro bowl level guy. He's a guy that you can trust and you can say, we're going to do a lot of different things schematically defensively because we're going to put this guy on the island and we know Stefan's going to do his job. Like you're just not going to beat him with technique. He's just that sound. I mean, he is so good. And, you know, you mentioned that two-year deal, and that's such a big thing. I wanted to hit on that for the Colts fans. Ballard has signed so many veterans to these one-year deals. Signing Gilmore to two years was so big for me. Like, I just thought, wow, now you've got a guy and you don't have to worry for the next two years. And you can kind of just naturally grow and build that position on the other side and find his counterpart. But I love, love, love the fact that he's going to be here for the next couple years. He's settled in. He seems to like the community. He seems to be bonding with his teammates. And I think that he's going to be 
you know, the theme this year, I think we'll see as it goes along, we're probably going to be, I don't know if aggressive is the right word, but we're going to be definitely, we're going to play a little bit more man concepts and we're going to be more responsible for just our man. It's not going to be as much zone zone heavy as it has been in the past. So you're going to have to have guys that you can rely on to be able to do their job um, without a lot of help over the top, without a lot of help, you know, underneath. And Stefan Gilmore is uh, for me, he's just what the doctor ordered. If he's healthy, he's flying. I mean, it's just that simple. Now, if he's not healthy, Maybe you feel like it's a flop because you didn't get to see him on the football field. But if he's healthy, um, he's doing a lot. He played on a bad football team, and I think that overshadowed how well he actually played for Carolina, you know, in that short little stint. He really played well. He just played on a very bad football team. The wheels just fell off at the end of the season for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the only only way I'd see this as a flop is, yeah, like you said, if he does not stay healthy, which is a real possibility, right? That's the only way I could see it flop. But if he's on the field, I, I think he's going to you know, be better than expectations are for him, um, especially from some people who think he's you know, not going to be – he's going to be a shell of himself or he's not the same player he once was. And they're going to be surprised at how good of a player he still is with Indianapolis. So we shall see. Hopefully he does stay healthy. A um, couple other names I want to talk about. These guys are more the second-tier guys. Um, some guys that you know, will be you know, backup fringe starter guys that could potentially jump in in a pinch. Um, I want to start with Rodney McLeod because I think he has the best chance to start at that strong safety position with Kari Willis retired. Um, Rodney McLeod has been a, a nice veteran in this league for the Philadelphia Eagles for a long time, was a team captain on that defense you know that, that helped them win a Super Bowl a few years ago uh, back in, I believe it was 2017. So uh, McLeod is a, a nice veteran guy. You know, He's in his early 30s still. You have him on a one-year deal. Um, and I don't really know if there's much expectation for him either right now. Um, but I think um, in certain ways, and I kind of heard this comparison before, I think this could potentially be similar to the Chris Reed signing a year ago. You know, where at the beginning, nobody really knew a whole lot who he was. I mean, they heard of the name, but they didn't really hear a whole lot. But he could actually, you know, really fly in this team when in his role that he's going to be given, whether that is a starter, whether that is, you know, the backup to Nick Cross. What are your thoughts on Rodney McLeod, and where do you think he falls in the fly-to-flop category here? So first of all, like, I mean, you you almost feel like, you know, after the whole story and the whole picture has been painted, Cody, that the Colts had to have known a little bit about Kari Willis and his he, him thinking about maybe stepping away from football and retiring. Um, you take the fact that they signed this veteran, and then you couple that with him going out and drafting Nick Cross. Um you know, they, that didn't just happen, I don't think, by coincidence. Maybe it did. Maybe the football gods just worked out that way. But with 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 him, he's a super solid player. I see him a little bit kind of, you know, a few years ago we signed Mike Mitchell, you know, midseason, and he did really, really well for us. I think Rodney has a little bit more tread on the tires so he can actually play. Um, he wasn't just a stopgap. And I think he's going to prove to be very, very crucial to this football team, especially with not knowing about Julian Blackman, you know, the health. Obviously, he he heals so fast, but you don't want to rush him back, right? Like he's had a couple major injuries in the last few years. You don't want to just throw him out there and thrust him back into the game and continue down this pattern with Blackman. So he's going to be crucial. Um, and for that, I say he flies. I mean, I think he's been solid everywhere he's been. He's not a flashy player. 
He's not a player that's going to go out there and, you know, just just wow you. But technically, he's so sound. He's a great tackler. You know, he finds the ball. He just does his job. I mean, and I think that's one of the big things in the NFL. A lot of times with the safety position, you don't really notice a safety unless he's not doing well. You know, and when we all know how it was when we had those backups at the end of the year and we just noticed, you know, you, you notice when Andrew Sandejo is not doing well. Right. Like, you, you know, it's when that's not happening. And because of that, there's a real, real situation. And these these offenses, they will attack that safety position. They will start going over the top. But he's a veteran presence. I don't know. I'm interested to see what you think the barometer is for him as far as fly versus flop. I say if he I say if if he is a 70% type of snap guy, he plays the majority of our packages and he's healthy, I think that's a fly for us. Like like he's he's a part of what we do, you know, every single week. Um that's a fly for me. A flop for me would be if he just goes there and he just gets beat out. Like like he can't get on the field, yeah. you know, and that for that for me that's the way I look at it. I'm interested to just kind of see your take on it, Cody. Yeah, um, I'm thinking of, you know, last year with the Sean Davis assigned. I think we had expectations last year that he was going to play and play a significant role. And I think he, in my mind, Rodney McLeod would be a flop if he's not on the field and he's not contributing in a big way. Because I do think he can still play when he's on the field. Um, you know, I've seen things and I've, I've read, you know, different things from, our, from guys like Zach Hicks and other guys who have kind of broke down his film and uh, really feel like even though he is a little bit older, getting up there in age, he still has some left in the tank. You know, I really feel like he does. So, um, yeah, I think the the flop signing, fortunately, he didn't sign him for that much. So it's not like, a you know, oh, my goodness, you know, we signed. It's like a Stefan Gilmore getting beat out or anything like that. But um, I really think that, you know, he has an opportunity to to fly here. Um, I think the same thing would be just, you know, the with the age and the injuries and stuff like that. Like, could that potentially hinder his season? Um, I don't think it will, but you know that would be also another thing because I don't think play will be the issue necessarily for a guy like Rodney McLeod. I do think he still can play, like I mentioned. But yeah, kind of my barometer would be kind of around that too. You know, where it's like, you know, I think he needs to play a significant amount of snaps and and really make a big impact here because the Colts will play, you know, more three safety looks and things like that. So he needs to play and play well and be that leader in that in that young young safety room and i think if he does that that'll be a fly in my book absolutely man all right we have two other guys we want to talk about now these guys are interesting um as well um you know dennis kelly is a guy that we want to talk about here before we get to our last guy you know i really like this signing a lot zach when it did happen right after the draft because we saw similar with safety last year how terrible the tackle depth was on this team last year. The Colts, let's call it what it is. They lucked into Matt Pryor. That Matt Pryor trade, they lucked into that. You know, there's no other way around it. Like they were not prepared to deal with, you know, uh, you know, Eric the Eric Fisher situation and Braden Smith going down. They really got lucky when Matt Pryor came in and played as well as he did. And it seems like this offseason, it seems like Chris Ballard, you've noticed this trend. Whenever a position really uh, struggles with depth, Chris Ballard kind of makes a point the next offseason to go and really make sure that doesn't happen again. So what did he do? He you know drafted Bernard Ryman, um, and also he brought in Dennis Kelly. Now, it's kind of interesting because like where does Dennis Kelly kind of fit? I don't think he's necessarily going to be a starter, but I think it could be a nice swing tackle for you. You know, I think he, he's played a lot in this league. He's 
know, been in this league eight to 10 years. He's, you know, he's started a lot of games. Um, so I think the expectation is just that he'll be kind of that swing tackle, that sixth or seventh offensive lineman. Um, but where do you stand right now in terms of Dennis Kelly? And do you think he'll be a fly or a flop for the Colts? Well, this one's really difficult because he's not a he's not what I would call a starter, right? Like so he's not expected to start. But if he can do things similar to like you look at guys like Chris Reed and Matt Pryor, like they just plug and played everywhere, you know, and you mentioned Matt Pryor. I mean, he was our saving grace last year. Like no one at all expected him to have that type of season. And he was great and he got rewarded and he should have rightfully so like he got a, you know, one year, $5.5 million pay raise. He's going to compete for that left tackle. Dennis Kelly for me, it's just, it's so prudent. And it's those are the small things that championship football teams do that no one really notices. You hope that Dennis Kelly practices all year long and doesn't have to step on the field because that means all of your other guys are healthy and they're doing what they need to do, but he's there just in case. A great emergency plan. And, you know, I think Ballard, like you mentioned, he does such a good job of kind of doing that personal inventory of himself the year before. Like, where did I struggle? Where should I have done better? What should I have done instead of? And the next year he does everything he can to correct that. Um, And I think that's what he's done here. I mean, it's an ultimate example. Um, You look at the year before, we bring in a guy and Eric Fisher right before the draft. We have a conversation. We lay out the the, the groundwork and the parameters. We still draft, and then we end up bringing this guy in. You know, um, it's kind of that that's the way he's operated the last couple years. I think it's very smart. Um, It gives him flexibility in the draft as well. He doesn't have to reach for any position because he knows he has someone there waiting. Um, But I think he's a guy. I would say it's a fly from this standpoint. He's a guy that can actually start and be a, you know, a representable football player on the football field. You know, he's not just a guy you're throwing in there. He's not just a Julian Davenport where you just got a big body and you're like, oh my gosh, I, I got to have somebody play this position. If he has to play, you mentioned earlier, he's played before, he started before, he has the ability to, you know, in a pinch mid game or even for a week or two to come in and help your football team still compete, still win football games. And ultimately, those are the championship moves that you have to make as the season goes along because it's almost inevitable, Cody, that somebody, and I don't know who, and I hope nobody gets hurt, but somebody's going to get hurt as as rough as this game is now, and now we've added an extra game onto the season. So it's it's even harder to get them through a full season, especially if they're going to play into the playoffs over 20 games this year you got to have the depth for me it's a fly just because you have a guy that can play football in an emergency and you're not thinking oh my gosh what are we going to do we just have a camp body here yeah low expectations potentially um some decent rewards you know if he does have to step in in a pinch so um i like that i like that all right last guy we want to have on our list here is a guy that i really feel like it could go either way for him because I feel like he could have a significant role on this team or he could be, you know, cut at the end of the preseason. Uh, and that's Philip Lindsay, right? And so um, I personally like the upside uh, of a Philip Lindsay because he's only a couple of years removed from, you know, having a really nice couple seasons there with the Denver Broncos. And so he's, he's a guy that's a, a veteran in this league. He's done some things, you know, some really good things uh, with the Denver Broncos. And so, it's kind of like, okay, um, the Colts you know, admitted as much last year that they probably used and overused Jonathan Taylor a little bit too much. So does that open the door for a guy like Philip Lindsay to get some of those touches 
and help Jonathan Taylor stay stay fresh down the stretch. Now he will have some competition with guys like Deion Jackson, uh, Tyson Williams, as well as well as a couple other undrafted free agents. So we'll see exactly how that running back three you know position plays itself out in training camp. But when it comes to Philip Lindsay, what would you say he has to do to be considered a fly, and what would happen for you to consider it to be a flop? Well, I guess I guess a flop is if the guy you know gets into camp and he's cut you know on that first round of cuts. You know, he just did just didn't gel, just didn't make it, just didn't have the ability. I look at him as almost like it's a weird thing. He's almost if he makes the team, he's almost running back two with the caveat that you have Naeem Hines kind of in the middle that's going to play, I feel like, a little more of that hybrid role this year. I think they're going to execute him as a slot pass receiver coming out of the backfield. I think you're going to see a lot more uh, two backs in the backfield this year as well. I think Jonathan Taylor and Hines in the backfield really makes the defense have to make a decision. Like, we're going to commit one way or the other. And then when you have a decision maker like Matt Ryan, that really, really puts, you know, a lot of stress on defenses. But to have that, that that security blanket, that veteran presence, and you mentioned earlier, I believe he was up around 1,000 yards in Denver a couple of years ago. Like, he was pretty solid for that football team. Um, he's bounced around. I think he played for the Texans last year. So we'll see if he makes the football team. For me, it's a fly. If he makes the football team, he's a week one you know, player in our rotation. He's there for the long haul. That's a fly. It's a flop. It's a flop if he doesn't make the team because he should he should make he should win that third spot. He has the best background, he has the best track record. He's probably the most talented of of the ones that you mentioned, Deion Jackson, Williams, you know, all of those guys. So that would be a flop for me. If he's not able to actually make this football team, I think that would be the flop. But the fly is just to be able to play and to give, you know, Jonathan Taylor a little bit of rest every once in a while. This guy's getting three or four carries a game. That's fine by me. You know, you're you're giving Jonathan Taylor a little bit of a break and still able to, you know, go with your MVP candidate and Jonathan Taylor uh, like business as usual. Yeah, it's interesting to see how, you know, the top three guys we believe are all going to be pretty much flies at this point. Um, but the other guys who kind of had to say, well, they could be flies if this happens. They'll be flops if, the, if this happens. Um, but I really do feel like, especially the top two, I think both those guys are going to be flies. The other guys, you could go either way. You know, I don't really have a lot of concerns about the top two guys, if I'm being completely honest. And so if there's people who are like, well, why did you say, like, you know, these guys are going to be flies or flops? Why did you say these guys are just going to be flies? That's kind of why we did it. Um, but let us know, guys, your thoughts on all six of these players, these new acquisitions the Colts got in free agency, whether it's a trade or whether it's, you know, just strictly signing these guys in free agency. Let us know what your thoughts are. What scenarios do you think for all six of these guys would be flies and would be flops. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Really appreciate all your support. Thank you, Zach, for coming on. Why don't you real quickly tell everybody where they can find you on social media and everything else with your podcast. Absolutely. So you can follow me on Twitter at ColtsNation365, as well as we have the No Horsing Around podcast. You guys can come over there and check that out after you check this podcast out. Uh, Stephen and I try to provide content at least a couple, two or three times a week in season. Um, we're pretty active, so we, we would be glad to have you come over and join the conversation as well. So, yeah, just check us out. No Horsing Around podcast on YouTube as well. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Be sure to go check them out. Thank you, Zach, for coming on, and thank you guys for listening. And as always, guys, go Colts. Sir.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.